The A Priorian Project The A Priorian Project is a theocratic movement. There is nothing we can do that is good and desirable that does not take us towards theocracy. Evil does not attack individuals, it attacks the rule of God. Good is not directed at individuals, it is directed towards the power of God. The purpose and goal of evil is to divide us from God. Sin destroys the church. If we no longer have faith in each other, and no longer trust one another, we cannot have faith in God. We cannot have faith in God if we no longer trust those who serve God. If we do not trust God, we engage in democracy and remove theocracy. Theocrats identify three levels of harm. Sin hurts the individual. Most crimes are sinful. Crimes are attacks on individuals and hurt a person, regardless of whether that person is the self or another person. Sinful acts can generally be contained and dealt with on the relational level. As mentioned, when we fear others, we no longer trust God and His kingship. Evil hurts the church. Evil corrupts and corrodes community relationships. Evil acts divide communities, including the church, from God. Evil turns people against each other. Evil are attacks on God's kingdom and while they harm and kill individuals, the intent is to terrorize the relationship the church has with God. However, there is a righteous division. Christians are called on to shun evil and cast it out. The church is to be separate from the world. This is more correctly thought of as a building up of the church and a coming together in the face of evil. We are instructed to cast out the evil from out of our midst. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 13 Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Unless we see that the intent is to ultimately create a theocracy and give the glory to God, not only do the verses of the Bible cease to make sense, but our own programs also fail to have the impact they are needed to have. There is a third level of harm scripture refers to. This harm is called the abomination of desolation. This is not a forgivable harm. Dividing people from God is not forgivable when it destroys theocracy. To destroy a church is not a forgivable sin when this church is a people directly under God. When others step into the high seat of God and have made theocracy redundant, we have encountered ultimate evil. In this scenario, there are only two basic choices or options. We can obey God or not. People get caught up in the minutia. Regardless of the details, the path we are on is either building up the church as a people under God or we are building up the world under human overlords. If we build up the world, we are benefiting the people of the world. More importantly, we are removing the elements of a Christian theocracy. The two paths carve out two realities or worldviews. This might appear hyperbolic to some people. The possibility is more real if you believe in a theocracy and a distinct division between good and evil, right and wrong, truth and falsehoods. One is not the other. A person is either in one group or the other. 
The Bible makes this division into two types of people clear. One cannot have two masters. Not only is the Bible clear on there being a division between the saved and unsaved, but there is also no suggestion that the two realities converge at any point, or that there can be a negotiated settlement or compromise between them. If this division is real, one side of the division is a theocracy. The two realities are mirror images of each other. Theocracy is paired with democracy which is the rule of people. There are extreme forms of democracy and variations but the problem is the rule of man over man and we can use the term democracy to reflect that form of rule. The devil is always ready to negotiate. But any settlement between good and evil is a compromise with evil, and any compromise with evil is an attack against theocracy. Even our language conveys the truths of God. The right is truth. To not have faith is to be consumed with doubt. Even the reality of the fallen betray the truths of God. Truth in the secular universe is contingent and probabilistic and relative. But this is not truth. If truth is not absolute, it is not true. Partial truths are tantamount to a lie. There is no way around the reality we are in and the truths it conveys. The only possible truth is a theocracy. The secular world cannot prove reality is physical. Secularists know they can approximate truth. They know they cannot confirm what is true in an absolute sense. Secularists increase the probabilities a claim is valid using the tools of empiricism, but truth does not exist outside of analytics, and this opens the door to metaphysics and the truth of God. God spoke the world into existence. He did not engineer it out of physical units. The truth is the word of God. Truth is analytical, not synthetic. God created logic, but he is not contained by it. We can comprehend reality through logic, but we cannot comprehend logic through the forces of reality. To bring communities to God is to create the church. To form the church is to create a theocracy. Individuals commit to God, but individuals do not make the church. The church is not formed of autonomous individuals. The Bible clearly states that where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, there he is. Jesus is the head of the church and Jesus is God. The church is a theocracy. We can debate what form a church takes, but gathering in the name of Jesus does not suggest autonomous individuals going about their private lives. Indeed, the phrase is part of a discussion about the administration of the church. This is a fact often neglected by those who think being in the proximity of Christians is enough to bring the Holy Spirit onto them. To think of the church as a meeting hall or the totality of all believers does not convey a sense of the church as understood in Scripture. The key factor that designates what makes a group of persons a church is accountability. We are accountable both to God and to each other as persons under God. A theocracy is conservative. 
It is the striving for theocracy and to serve God that makes one a conservative. Conservative organizations are accountable to God and to its citizens. A church is a conservative organization. We only need to look at accountability and what it means to discern the outlines of the church and conservatism. Once we understand the features of a church and what makes an organization conservative, we will discern no distinction between them. They are equivalent in all of their features. The Bible tells us that where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, there he is. Two or three persons are the number needed to hold one another to account. It is important to understand the relationship between accounts and accountability. Matt 18,15-17 Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church, but if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. There is a separation here. Not just between Christians and the unrepentant sinner, but a separation implied in the phrase, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. If there is no division between us and the world, treating the unrepentant sinner as a worldly person would not mean anything. Even the phrase, If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven, suggests that agreement is the foundation for ensuring things happen. God works through his people. But once more, we need to fully understand the mechanics by which the agreement of persons translates into work done. Matt 18,18-20 Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Accountability builds the church. We need to take seriously the phrase, the worker is worthy of his wages. 1 Timothy 5 verses 7 to 20 give these instructions to the believers so that they will be above reproach. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. A widow should be enrolled if she is at least 60 years old, the wife of one man, and well known for good deeds such as bringing up children, entertaining strangers, washing the feet of the saints, imparting relief to the afflicted, and devoting herself to every good work. But refuse to enroll younger widows. For when their passions draw them away from Christ, they will want to marry, and thus will incur judgment because they are setting aside their first faith. At the same time, they will also learn to be idle, going from house to house and being not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, discussing things they should not mention. So I advise the younger widows to marry, have children, and manage their households, denying the adversary occasion for slander. 
for some have already turned aside to follow Satan. If any believing woman has dependent widows, she must assist them and not allow the church to be burdened, so that it can help the widows who are truly in need. Elders who lead effectively are worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker is worthy of his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder, except on the testimony of two or three witnesses. But those who persist in sin should be rebuked in front of everyone, so that the others will stand in fear of sin. If a worker is worthy of his wages and the one who does not provide for his own is worse than the unbeliever, and if the younger widow must care for the elder then more is going on in the church than charity. These are phrases that make little sense if we do not consider the importance of having accountable relationships. We are to observe all things taught by Jesus. We must take up our cross. The real-world application of Scripture is seen in the Golden Rule. We are to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. This is not identical with the categorical imperative of Kant, though the two are often compared. Kant suggested we act as if an act was to serve as the foundation of universal law, or a model for all men to follow. Law will not give us the answers we need. The golden rule commands us to help others in a way the other person is benefited. It is not our wants that have precedence, but the needs of the other person. To do unto others as we would have them do unto us is to do unto them what is best for them. We want others to do what is best for us. Matt 28, 18-20 And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Jesus is the head of the church, and the church is a theocracy. Partial answers are not sufficient, obedience means full compliance. Theocracy and democracy are not equivalent, they are not even compatible. Parasitism is the sin that must be eliminated. Parasitism does not build the kingdom of God. Parasites destroy the kingdom of God. We are not only worthy of our wages, no one is so worthy they have a claim on the value we create. No other has a claim on what we do in our work to build the church. Christians are obliged, under God, to defend our work and the disposition of our equity into the building of the church. As Christians we are obliged to build the church, not the institutions of the secular world.